The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, you've been hearing about it uh, throughout the day on the 630 Chad News. Some staggering numbers uh, released from the Edmonton Food Bank today. That's right. According to a new survey, close to half of Edmonton Food Bank users have been unemployed for more than three years. And of those who are working, almost 60% employed part-time, casual, or seasonal. This is all as part of the 2018 Edmonton Food Bank Client Survey, which also shows the number of people requiring hampers from the food bank has increased from 13,869 in July of 2015 to over 20,000 in July of 2018. Joining us now to find out more about the survey and its implications is Marjorie Benz, the Executive Director of the Edmonton Food Bank. Hi, Marjorie. Uh, good afternoon. Um, Give us an idea. Let's uh, let's start here, um, and and I think I know the answer, but it's always good to hear it from you. Um, regarding food bank clients, is there a typical food bank client? Well, certainly, um, I'm always hesitant to draw a, a stereotype of a food bank recipient because anyone can lose their job, anyone can have health challenges, or anyone can go through a family breakup that changes their lives quite dramatically and particularly around job losses and those kind of economic changes they can drive and make substantial changes in in a household's income in a very short period of time so the answer would and, be no there's not a typical food bank yeah. client <laughs> yeah and um although having said that you know uh we always see large numbers of children needing our services mm-hmm. and when i say that families with children mm-hmm. and um you know, we are a central warehouse that collects and redistributes food to over 250 agencies, churches, and food depots in Edmonton. And so often when we're talking about specifics about um, who's using food bank programs, we're often getting that information from hamper programs. But that, again, is only part of the picture. Can I ask specifically, are most of the food bank clients Canadian? Yes, yes. And... Um, you know, we do have uh, affiliated organizations that we work closely with that are providing services to other marginalized groups. So, for example, Islamic Family and Social Services works very closely with us, and we prepare hampers for them, and about 10% of our hampers are going out to them. And we pack the hampers for them. They put the halal meat in for those hampers, and... They provide a wide range of other services to their clientele, like English as a second language, language and, and job search and that type of thing, settlement issues. And they're doing work that we can't, so those types of partnerships are really important because we can just do the food piece of it. So I'm curious as well, and I know one of the big charities here at uh, 630 Chet, of course, is 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. And anyone who's taken the time to deliver presents for Santa's Anonymous sees a wide array of stories. And you sort of have it in your mind, and I know you said you're hesitant to say what a typical uh, food bank uh, client looks like, but it literally could be somebody who was in a mid to high income range just last year, couldn't it? Well, certainly, um, like I said earlier, anyone can lose a job. And when we did this survey, and it can be found on our website, and certainly they can, anyone can contact with us, we did an in-depth 
survey with 500 food hamper recipients. And one of the surprising um, numbers that came out of that particular survey, which um, again even shocked me to a degree, was the high number of people that were over the age of 50 but under 65. And that group, um, you know, is used to working and now has found themselves in situations when, where their skills are not as marketable because people don't like to hire, often hire older workers. Um, they sometimes have chronic or long-term health challenges. And we've, this time when we did this survey, that was one number that really jumped out to me. Marjorie, one of the you were looking pretty deep into some of these uh, numbers. The study was uh, this time around. Uh, one of those, uh, kind of looking at the income levels for those needing assistance uh, at the food bank. Can you break those down for us, please? Well, certainly. I guess one of the other numbers that pops out with with our survey is seventy two percent of our clients' or household income is less than twenty five thousand a year. So when you take that income being very low, trying to support multiple people in a household, paying up $900 a month or more, um, then you can see it doesn't take very long before people's uh, situation becomes very challenging. And and certainly it is always the number one uh, priority in households to keep that roof over your head. Um, And so that's where you start to run into a challenge with a budget because you pay out this money for rent and those other very specific fixed costs and whatever you have left over you have to try to make it through the rest of the month. Marjorie, I've heard on our news this afternoon you're uh, speaking, uh, there's a sound clip of you, but I wanted to dive into this a little bit because I wasn't aware of these services being offered by the food bank, but uh, providing people with support and skills um, I think a safety ticket or something like that was mentioned. What are these other services that the food bank are providing? So when we did our 2015 survey, one of the results of that survey was that people were looking for ways to become employed. They were having multiple challenges in their life sometimes with everything from doing job searches when they didn't have that experience to safety tickets and items to upgrade their resume so that that would make them a little bit more their their resume stand out and be more marketable so we did have a lot of conversations with other players in the community so we have other partners on site that are offering some of these services boyle street bissell center they all have employment expertise that we don't have and come together there they have some staff on site um, to help people when they come in and and, and need these need these kind of services we don't have the special uh, specialty to do these types of outreach services but lots of other groups do so they've been very engaged and very helpful with um, providing those services for us and those services in the beyond food which is in our annex those services are free to anybody in the city of Edmonton. So they don't have to be somebody who is a food bank recipient, but somebody who says, hey, I need just need some help updating my resume. And we're so pleased with those partnerships because, again, we don't have that expertise. And, and these other agencies have come on board very willingly to share staff or resources. 
Uh, before we let you go, Marjorie, always the big question, and I know it's the question coming in on our text line at 630-630 right now. People want to know what's the best way to help the food bank. Well, there's always many different ways to help the food bank because we rely heavily on volunteers, and people can sign up on our Better Impact uh, through Better Impact through our website, and, or they can call in to the admin line if they need more information. We do take monetary donations online and, of course, uh, through special events and food drives when they come out. We appreciate the support. And uh, we've always talked about this, too. Money goes yeah. a bit farther for you, doesn't it? Well, um, we often joke about money being our favorite non-perishable food. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we can buy a lot with food, and we can provide some of these other services because we do get support from the broader community. Mm. And just recently, we uh, introduced... Um, uh, putting in our hampers shelf-stable milk, and we're also distributing that shelf-stable milk to school programs out in the community. So, again, um, if we didn't have the monetary support coming in, we wouldn't be able to offer those supports. Marjorie Benz, the Executive Director of the Edmonton Food Bank, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thank you very much. You have a good day. Yeah, you, you too. too. If you want more information, the website, edmontonsfoodbank.com. You can follow them on Twitter at Yeg Food Bank as well. Hey, it's 2.47 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. It's Jay Lynn and Andrew Brett Wilson coming up after 3 o'clock along with uh, Fleetwood Mac tickets. There was an interesting survey done. Now, this was done... Um, well, it was done in, in the UK, mm-hmm. and it's talking about base, what's considered basic modern human rights. And a list was put together uh, from respondents about what they thought that they deserved as basic human rights. What's interesting about the study is it was 2,000 people. What's interesting about it is the fact that you would think that many things have not changed over the years. There are basic human rights. And it turns out that that is true for at least the first few. And these will come as no surprise to you. Among the top 10 were access to water. Obvious. Sure. The right to a fair trial. Mm-hmm. Freedom of speech. Uh, free health care. Access to shelter. Being allowed to marry whoever you want. And linked closely to that at number seven the right to be loved. But that's not really a a human right. Not really, but I mean, it was an open-ended question. You know, what do you believe to be uh, an important basic human right? Then it sort of started to stray a little bit, right? And it's interesting just the world we live in. It's different than when I was, you know, 20. At eight, a guaranteed pension. A guaranteed pension. At nine, always getting a seat on a train, bus, or the subway. And at number 10, free Wi-Fi, a basic human right, free Wi-Fi. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. If we dig just down a little bit deeper, so after free Wi-Fi in 10th spot, uh, in 12th, the right to have your garbage collected on schedule. (laughs) That's crazy. To not be judged for being a meat eater. (laughs) <laughs> As a human right, you just think about that, human right. Um, 4G phone signal, 3G phone signal also showed up on this list. Phone charging stations, phone a phone battery that lasts more than a day human also rights. got votes. Has human rights. And here's the thing, I don't know what it is we're discovering from this survey. We're, we're discovering one of two things. 
that the definition of basic human rights has changed or people don't understand the definition of basic, basic human, human rights. rights. Number 29, free suntan lotion on sunny days. <laughs> the right to park your car wherever you want. And at to number, party. Yeah, at number 30, the right to party. We're going to fight. <laughs> For your right. Yeah, maybe that's. To party. <laughs> maybe yeah. that song led a bunch of people astray. But really. But you know what? I'm not. I guess I shouldn't be shocked. A new car every three years. Oh, come on. Really? To be able, uh, yeah. It takes five to pay for one. Thirty-four in, in thirty-fourth spot, a new car every three years, and in thirty-five to be able to eat in any restaurant without having to wait for a table. Like, was there an age? No. Mm. So, mm. you know, random two thousand people, but you're going to get a cross section of ages, obviously, and backgrounds and that so forth. Makes me angry. I know, and here's the funny thing, though, because this sort of ties into a common theme that is recurs on this show as to what people believe to be their rights. And think about stories like uh, the other day, the woman who was escorted off the plane fought not to have to leave because the airline didn't want her on board with her support squirrel, squirrel, right? (laughs) So it's like whatever's going, it seems like what was once the rights of all humans has become the rights of all individuals. Depending on what your situation is and what you believe would be perfect, that in your mind now becomes a human right. And part of the problem is that these human rights tribunals tend to agree. I mean, how many times have we done a story about a human rights tribunal where you're like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Somebody has some complaint and, oh, I don't like the name of this product or I don't like the way he looked at me or I don't like, you know, and then suddenly we all got to take our shoes off in security. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Speaking of support squirrels Mm -hmm. in Calgary. I know. Calgary City Council, ladies and gentlemen, has approved a bylaw amendment to issue permits for the use of livestock as emotional support animals. So what does that mean? Well, that means that uh, the amendment to the responsible pet ownership bylaw opens the door for chickens, miniature horses, and pigs. This is actually good news. Do you remember the pig from here? Yeah, Ellie. And how hard we all fought for that family yeah. to keep Ellie the pig? Yeah. Now, I'm not really sure how emotionally supportive a chicken can be. Mm-hmm. I know that there was a story, and I believe it was out of Calgary not too long ago, within the past few months, about a woman who had emotional support chickens. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm just... Chickens are a very frantic bird. I don't know how they could be emotionally supportive. I don't know how they, yeah, they're kind of like do- dodgy. I know. And just, uh, you know, in I the interest of... horse and pigs. In the interest of full disclosure and information. So this is a city of Calgary uh, decision, but there are conditions. So a mental health professional will have to determine the animal is actually therapeutic for mm-hmm. the patient. So you can't just bring home your pig and be like, no, it's my companion pig or by liquor pig, whatever. Uh, permit holders will have to provide a letter from a health care professional and ensure they can meet guidelines yeah. for the care and maintenance of the animal. Mm-hmm. So they also are looking out for the animal's welfare here, right? Pig's so, a good one. I'm, Carol's wanted a pig forever. Yeah, and so there's there's a number of people saying, hey, you know what, this is uh, this is good when it comes to for mental health uh, supports. And again, I I, I, sup- <laughs> I really support the horses. Uh, miniature, miniature horses. Horses, uh, horses yeah. and pigs. I, do, I, I don't get chickens, but hey, I've never had time to, uh, you know, 
love up a chicken unless it's been, you know, <laughs> got, a, got a beer can shoved love up, up its, <laughs> its back end and we were eating it at dinner. But you know what? I, I don't get that one. Um, I'm guessing they're still not allowed on airplanes. Pro- no, there's you, no, that's outside the jurisdiction of the Calgary mm-hmm. City Council. But it would make a difference, I guess, had that been a bylaw here in Edmonton for Ellie, Ellie right? And And I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that we would rush out and get a pig if Edmonton were to follow suit, but it has been on our sort of bucket list for a long time. Pigs are very smart, and they're much cleaner than you think. And Well, Jackie Sweeney, yeah. who works downstairs at our sister station, Kissing Country, her sister or sister-in-law or someone had a, a little pig mm. and brought it in, and she would she brought it in a couple times to work, and it was the cutest little thing, and it would roll yeah. on its back and want its belly rubbed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pigs love you know? their bellies rubbed. Needed to be house trained a little bit better. But, sure. Well, you know. anytime I've seen a pig indoors, they uh, have a diaper. So there's got to be something there. I'm not sure that they scratch on the door. Like, I, I don't know how that works. No, but they it, go wee, wee, wee all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I owe you a dollar for that one. You do, actually. <laughs> the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.